you know, when I start writing anything, I free write first, which for me means with a pen and a notebook. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the most raw and pure connection to my heart that I can find that way. Um, why I write or what motivates me to write is, you know, there's a, a quote by a writer named C. Day Lewis that we don't write in order to be understood, but we write in order to understand. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think that's it. So I don't usually sit down at the page, like I've figured something out and I want to tell you about it so you get it. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. um, I, I don't know either, but something has just caught my, caught my heart or caught my mind or, you know, maybe my left elbow and I have to write about it. People are fascinating especially up close, more especially when you get them talking about the things that they love. This is From the Hip, conversations in the service of passion, purpose, and play. I'm Adrienne Gunn. You ready to play? Today on From the Hip, I'm sitting with Jen Violi, author of Putting Makeup on Dead People. We get to talking about grief and how it's actually the pathway to joy. What I haven't talked about with people, like I used to do like these short little videos that I put out inspiring and that sort of thing, sort of catching people up. I haven't really been that revealing of my own personal world. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I've had a lot of like grief and illness. Girl. And so one of the people that I was, that I've been wanting to talk to, like the, the first moment that I'm like, I'm doing this thing, you were, like at the top of my list when I reached out to the first group of people I want to talk to I wanted to talk to you because of how you've been like openly sharing I I suppose some of the like worst things that people could go through that they never talk about yeah so if you were open to talking about some of that with me in the midst of like sure how do we how do we walk our path and and feed ourselves with our what we've decided we're doing for a living in the midst of like in my own world i don't want to get out of bed i oops i didn't eat today uh the best thing i did all day was walk around the block you know and and the how people don't generally talk about how like showing up in life can look different Mm -hmm. Because there's, you know, there's a lot of room for, like, the Tony Robbins, like, highly pumped up gurus and, like, cursing and, like, fuck, get all the things, win, more is more. (laughs) And I've had a path of the last five-ish, maybe more years of of the power of Mm non-striving and the beauty of surrendering to what's actually fucking going on. Yeah. And so I'm, like... Selfishly, I'm, I'm letting that. you know that those are some of the things I would love to chat with you about. And it sounds Me like too. you came. Also, just in case, I see we have water. I still have emergency chocolate. Mm-hmm. If you were to need more of that, or any of those things are readily at hand. Do I, Is there like a signal I give for emergency chocolate? Like a hand signal? Or <laughs> <laughs> do I just actually just ask for it? I think... <laughs> I think if I'm feeling it, if I'm feeling your ask underneath what's happening, I will uh-huh. reach for some. And if you if you <laughs> ask for it, I will get some too. Okay. <laughs> like there's not, ever, not everyone has the skills of like asking for what they want. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one to have. 
Yeah. Um, so um, we could sort of form formula start of like, like, like hi, I'm me and I do with this. Or like I, I know of you as, like I got introduced to... I met you at Moxie. You did. We met at a networking event. Mm-hmm. When it for was women. in that secret society place. Yes. My curiosity is how I'm remembering it is I think you were you were utilizing the wing woman strategy. Yes. Because I may have heard more about you through the mouth of your friend that was standing next to you than I did yeah. from you. Yeah, Carrie came with me, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is my friend Jen. She's an amazing writer. She's written this book, thus and such, and then... <laughs> Like, oh my God, it's, and then she kept telling me how great you were. And then eventually we, we were like Facebook friends because that's my strategy at networking. Mm-hmm. I don't know, did we talk to each other much? Do you remember? I don't know that we talked much. But yeah, then we saw each other at some other things after that, about yeah. networking things. It's hilarious because I'm a big fan of yours because we connected on Facebook and because you have been sharing parts of your world. And even as you write your own reflections on life, they're beautiful and poetic and there was something I don't remember it seemed like a manifesto for self-care <laughs> I remember what you wrote you've written many a thing mm-hmm. but um is that what you tell people you tell people hi I'm Jen I'm a writer is that your um yeah writer usually comes first I say I'm a writer and a developmental editor Ooh. And a mentor for other writers. Nice. Facilitator, too. I mean, sometimes I throw that in, but, you know. Fun. Can you do me a favor? Yeah. Can you pronounce your last name? Violi. Violi. So oh. both of the I's are pronounced like E's. Ooh, that's like... Like the end of ravioli, unfortunately. It's like viola, which is gorgeous, mm-hmm. and ravioli. Well, and so technically, I think I'm the plural of that. Like... In Italian, like viola would be like an instrument or a flower, right? So, but making it plural would be violi. Nice. So I'm I'm more flowers and more music. That's awesome. <laughs> when did you learn that about your name? I think I figured out the thing when I was studying Italian a little bit. Nice. So you, when when was that? Oh, just when I went to Italy a couple times, like, and just trying to, like, learn based on mostly knowledge of Spanish <laughs> to see what I could apply. That's fair. I yeah. think that's a path many people take. I've been considering a language to learn mm-hmm. because they'll change your life, change your brain. Yeah. And I'm, I'm between Italian and Portuguese oh. as choices. Both so pretty. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I'm also a little scared. I'll admit that. I'm a little scared of who I'll be Yeah. as I learn a new language. I don't know. How did you, how did you find learning Italian? Well, I don't know that I've ever learned a full language. You know, like yeah. I've not become fluent. Like the language I know best is Spanish, but I wouldn't call myself fluent. I was highly functional, you know, when I did the Camino or I was in Spain for a little while or other places, but. You're a Camino person? Mm-hmm. Did the Camino. Yeah. Have you done the Camino? I'm talking to this one person who's watching <laughs> us right now. Hi, one person. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, certainly you've lived a life. So there are many, many stories in there. When you've done the Camino, you maybe check in on that and you've traveled to Italy. Was that your... Oh, I think that's the printer. Deciding to wake up. I thought it was a <laughs> Good roommate morning. showing up. <laughs> Good morning, printer. 
Pritchard's like, I'm at the ready. Should you need me? So we've got emergency chocolate and printing. Mm -hmm. All at the ready, just in case. Okay, good. Um, So when did you say yes to this writing adventure? Probably as soon as I could write. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember writing when I was little. uh, Writing poems, beautiful, terrible poems, (laughs) or terrible, beautiful poems. Nice. Every holiday or birthdays or whatever, illustrations went with them. Ooh, nice. One of my favorite techniques was um, making things magical by surrounding them with yellow. Because I thought they glowed, you know, like leprechauns. I love drawing little leprechauns and like, yeah. doing like goldenrod all around them. Nice. You know. God. That does sound perfect. That sounds perfect. So, and then and then you shared them with people. Mm-hmm. I'm... I'm thrilled I'm like picturing a small den How I should have made one for you today <laughs> why didn't I bring you a card I don't know it's yeah. okay okay well another time nice yeah and and so you've just always it's been one of the ways of you like like accessing yourself and being in yeah. the world poems and my diaries you know I have those regularly I don't remember when it started I mean for sure I was doing that in kindergarten and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. I try to remember, I was very much athlete when I was younger. Like, like sports was the thing. And then somewhere around 12 was when I started writing poems. Um, and, and I, and I remember were they terrible also? <laughs> so they, they rhymed in a very like standard mm. and predictable meter. Uh, oh yeah. I have one in my head now. It's terrible. Yeah. They were pretty bad. They were pretty bad. <laughs> Good. And I kept, I, and I actively decided around them to change my handwriting too. So I would practice trying to like a new, I wanted my handwriting to look cool or something. So I, I like, created a new handwriting for myself when I was wow. writing poems. Um, I don't know if I started like reading books on purpose. I was a, I was a very non-student for a really, really long time. So like reading and writing and that sort of stuff was not my game. I think the things that I wrote for assignments generally, when I would do the assignments, which wasn't very frequently, and maybe you've used this writing prompt. It's like I would write a story because I had to, mm-hmm. and the story would be. The character in the story had to write a story, but they didn't know what to write about. <laughs> they should do not. Like, I think I did that assignment like three. I, think I just slapped my microphone. <laughs> really professional. At least three times. I'm like, I have to write something. I have no idea what to write about. I was like, what if? <laughs> I know. Super clever. What if there was a character in the story who had to write but didn't know what to write about? Yeah. Well, you know, it's good to start with the material that's there, what you know. So, yeah. 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 And I didn't quite start taking it seriously until I think high school when I I was warned that I had to get good grades to stay on the basketball team. Like the school that I went to, all of the, this is the path that female athletes will, will be confronted with. I don't know if male athletes are confronted with, oh my gosh, you have to be a good student to play. Mm-hmm. But I was. And they're like, you have to get like a. Th- Everybody has a. You have to get a three point or higher. But everyone on the team is three five and up. Like, I just had a ridiculously smart team, and I had yeah. pretty much gotten C's 
or D's and most things that weren't shop, choir, or PE. So I actually like took it seriously and I took a um, like a study hall mm -hmm. and I like because I never did homework really before so I'm like oh I'm not gonna have to try so I did all my home and it turns out that um, for me at least accidentally school was pretty easy if you actually did the work. I would get it all done. It was weird. I didn't know. I had no idea. It took me, like, I had a 45-minute period. I'd get it all done there. I'd do the reading on the bus. And I accidentally got straight A's this one term. And I'm like, fuck, now I'm going to have to keep that up. And then, and and then, then writing. Did. Yeah, and then writing became a thing for me. I was, like, connecting with myself. And, yeah. Um, I think Tom Robbins and Carrie Fisher started reading them around the same time. Oh, uh -huh. And they both have a ridiculous way with language. Yeah, really unique. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, I think that's when I started falling in love with the written word and communication and what it could do. Mm -hmm. um, did you end up, did you like go to school for, for your craft and did you like get super serious with it? I did. I got so serious, like <laughs> super serious. <laughs> yeah? What did you do? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm making it sound dramatic. <laughs> That's part of what I do too. I have a theater background as well. So. Oh, I didn't know you have a theater background. Yeah. So that's oh, part yeah. of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, so I was an English major in college, mm -hmm. and then after that, I actually did grad school in theology, oh. so not writing, but definitely the big reflecting on the big issues of life yeah. kind of stuff that yeah. tapped into that part of me, and then later after that, I went back to get an MFA in creative writing. Damn! So, um, I guess that's serious in some ways, but... Mostly it felt fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think of that when I think of whether I would want to go to grad school. Essentially for me, I would just do it because it'd be fun. Yeah. Like get an MBA. It just sounds like a blast mm -hmm. to me. I, I noticed that there's a, they have masters and, and PhDs in creativity. Like literally. Like, oh, just in creativity? <laughs> yeah. Why didn't I know that? That's probably what I would have done. I know. I looked it up just in case. I'm like, <laughs> I was making it up in my head because I want, I have a desire to get an honorary doctorate. And I'm like, what? I'll give you one. Yeah? Yeah. You can? Oh. <laughs> I just decided I could. <laughs> nice. So. Yeah, I was like, if I was going to get an honorary d doctorate in something, what would I want it to be? Sort of like creativity, I think. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, wait, does that exist? And I, I looked it up. But MFA in, in creative writing mm -hmm. sounds awesome. Yeah, it was. It was really, it was a cool time. How I... It sounds to me like when, when you said it out loud, I was like, oh, you get like, I don't know why the stamp would go on the butt, but like, you're like certification in my head. It's just <laughs> how my brain works. like after workshop at night at the bar. <laughs> like you get, you get the official stamp, like a branding of like, I'm really, I've, I've, I don't know, perfected a thing. I've got the certification. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have this conversation a lot in working with writers, too, and people feeling, I mean, we all have imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. and people feeling like they're not good enough, or do I need to have a degree, or do I need to have this, and, you know, mostly you just need to write, and so for me, getting an MFA was more about having had a moment of realization that I needed to honor that part of me, and I wanted to be able to do it in a place where I could focus on that mm -hmm. and be mentored and have community around that. So there are ways to cultivate that that aren't called grad school. Sure. So um, 
That's awesome. So I guess I just want to say that to be like, you know, especially if you're watching and you're like, I want to be a writer or am I a writer and do I need that? Uh, I don't think it's essential. It was a way that was really helpful and powerful for me, but you know. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting to think about like, there's like an imposter syndrome around it. And then there's, there's, I think people are called to want to have easy ways to label themselves. Like that there's, there's a comfort in an identity. Yeah. I, I've had issues with like, as a, as a musician, as a songwriter, as a performer and entertainer, there were tons of times when I wasn't writing songs. I had a challenge calling myself a songwriter or I had a challenge calling myself a writer. I've technically had some things published in, in, in magazines and things in the past. And mm -hmm. so te technically I'm a published writer, but like, but for me feeling like, I mean, like I do it. I write for myself, I, I do publish things, but like if there's, some sort of race one must, you know, accomplish. But like with me, I was like, okay, I write maybe a song every year, every other year. That doesn't feel like a, I'm written, like I've written songs, but I don't feel like a songwriter. I had the hardest time allowing myself to say yes to these multiple identities of things that mm -hmm. I do. Because I mean, because there are writer writers <laughs> and I'm not one of those. And, uh, and then I went like levels up. I was like, well, what feels more true? Like when I write and when I do any particular one of my arts, I, mm -hmm. I've been thinking of myself as more of a performer, entertainer. And then I don't know if it's like edutainer. There's something mm. that's part of my identity that has a bit to do with wanting to inspire and motivate and delight people amuse well there's there's the entertaining part but then yeah. there's like i actually want to stir a fire yeah and i don't know what that sort of like a catalyst or mm -hmm. that sort of thing is but all of those other things i do whether it's acting or writing or singing or like are, are tools to do this other thing yeah for me i don't know no i like that yeah different ways you can express your like your eunice yeah, like using a bunch of different tools to express something, but it's like con connecting. There's an energy that I want in relationship to the other person. Yeah. Um, is there any particular, like, so I've, I've seen you be poetic. Are you still, do you still like write poetry? Is that part of what you put in the world? probably don't call it poetry as much you know yeah. I, I think that's a label where I would say no you know I'm not a poet right because I know the poets that I know you know they've really studied that craft and technique and form mm -hmm. and yes so I definitely write poems all the time probably a lot of my posts on Facebook are poems right um but they're not informed by study <laughs> which as I you know I need to be true to the thing that I said earlier, <laughs> so it doesn't make them any less valid. Right, no, that's fair. Yeah. So what is, what is, what do you, like, have you, is there, is there a thing you're after when you write? Or is there something you chase? Or is it something internal? Like what, what yeah. draws you to the, do you like, do you type? Do you, do you handwrite? Whichever. That looked like it could have been a symbol or like a signal for emergency chocolate, but me, <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> 
<laughs> or maybe it was. Um, I do both. You know, when I start writing anything, I free write first, which for me means with a pen and a notebook. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the most raw and pure connection to my heart that I can find that way. Um, why I write or what motivates me to write is, you know, there's a, a quote by a writer named C. Day Lewis that we don't write in order to be understood, but we write in order to understand. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think that's it. So I don't usually sit down at the page, like I've figured something out and I want to tell you about it so you get it. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. um, I I don't know either, but something has just caught my heart or caught my mind or, you know, maybe my left elbow and I have to write about it yeah. um, to see what's there. And then usually understanding surfaces from that. So sometimes it's just like therapy for myself. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Love it. So this book that your friend Carrie was really excited about mm-hmm. has a really awesome title. Yes. Okay, what is it? It's called Putting Makeup on Dead People. I don't know why I like I do that. <laughs> that smile afterwards. <laughs> Dead people, Shazam! Jazz <laughs> hands! Yeah. Uh-huh. Nice. That is a gorgeous title. Thank you. And what? Forgive me, I haven't read it yet. Oh, I no. want to. Well, I feel like I'm just going to storm out of here. That would be really <laughs> dramatic. Yeah, but, but I won't. So I won't talk to you about like what's in it and that sort yeah. of thing. But what, what's to be found? Like, well, what would an audience member find maybe? But what did you find in writing it? Because I don't... Yeah. It's a great title. And it makes me think I know what it's about. <laughs> well, in some ways it is about putting makeup on dead people, although not an instructional. Um, <laughs> when I went to do readings um, on a little book tour thing after the book came out, I did have some people show up occasionally thinking they were going to get instructions <laughs> rather than coming to a literary reading. So there's not instructions, okay. but uh, it's, it's rooted in my experience of losing my dad when I was 14. Um, so he died on my second day of high school. Hmm. And um, the main character in the novel, Donna, also loses her dad as she's starting high school. And, you know, there the the paths diverge. There are certainly elements of my life that are in there. But, you know, people who handled grief in very different ways. For her, she shut down and didn't do anything and was just trying to figure out what to do until she finally realizes maybe she wants to be a mortician. So it's her journey of exploring that and moving through grief and you know finding joy in the wake of grief so when we met i think i think you and another friend of mine book plug kate gray one of the many kate grays one can find a poet had just written carry the sky which is also a story about grief so what's flashing in my head is when we met and your Mm -hmm. friend was telling me about this this book of yours Mm -hmm. i went to kate's reading and i think it's same year the, the, and, and one of the first things she said about this story in her life about that was around grief was that grief itself was the path to joy that, that, and, and, I, and I, it was one of those moments <laughs> that I've had in life many a time where I'm like my face will crinkle up <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> I think someone's telling me a supremely profound truth and I need to put a push pin in it and I believe it. <laughs> it sounds like this like faint rumor at the time. 
where mm -hmm. it sounds paradoxical, like the, 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 the depths of grief, grief itself, mm -hmm. is the thing that gives you access to joy. And, and since then, I've learned many things about how emotions work and our ability to experience and express emotions and, yeah. and like feel things, literally being able to feel things is, is that path the access. If you break yourself open towards the bottom, you can break yourself open upward too. Yeah. That kind of idea. But like when we met, I was chewing on that idea of grief, sorrow, also joy being entangled. And it was very confusing to me because I didn't know how to do or experience emotions at that time in my life. Hmm. I was, there were back when we met, Around then, yeah, like my my path of believing, everybody kept telling me this rumor that emotions were important and it was important to feel them and that there was like, and I was just like, so you're saying emotions are important. <laughs> and I have to feel them. You feel them, you have feelings <laughs> that you feel. And then what? <laughs> and it was like, it was sort of like, like, like coming from another planet, like I'd, you know, like seen other people have emotions or like, you know, previous years in my life, I'd been the kind of person who would like cry once a year, when I, whether I wanted it or not, or wanted to or not, it would like I cry explode. once a day, whether I wanted to or not. Yeah. <laughs> There's a spectrum. Yes. Uh -huh. Well, and I cry way more now. Like I, it was part of the beginning of a path of discovering what the heck she meant about that. And I'm loving yeah. that you're like part of me asking you to be here is a little bit about that journey for me in the last few years, because, mm -hmm. because since then I have experienced a great deal of grief and I'd love to know more about when you were saying grief and joy and how they're connected. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you have more thoughts on that? personally like like today's version i have so many thoughts yeah. on that i mean sit back we're going to be here for a little while wake, wake up, Michelle. you relax if you need to go get a drink <laughs> come back <laughs> yeah fine. um well it is funny to think because you know i wrote that book in the i wrote the first draft of that book when i was evacuated from new orleans for hurricane katrina oh, wow. in the middle of my grad program and you know that was 2005 and so between like 2005 and you know 2008 i was working on that book and at that time my understanding of what it meant for grief to lead to joy um is totally different or i guess it's deepened since then mm -hmm. you know because that was an early grief it was a formative grief losing my dad when I was, you know, just becoming a teenager. Um, and it was something that defined me and defined my search for it. And now, um, you know, I think, so I guess the distinction I would make is then I thought of joy as something more simplistic than the way that I understand it now. Ooh. I think I thought of joy as this, um, you're happy and you're having fun and you're, you're here and engaged and blah, 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 you know? Right. Um, and what I've come to understand joy this year as, because I have been on the search for it, I've given myself a new role called the original detective of joy, which maybe you saw me post about on <laughs> That's Facebook. Amazing. And it's really been about 
seeing joy as this deep urge for vitality, you know, uh-huh. kind of like that, this, this primal, like if I had an animal noise that I made, like, you know, a lion roar or an elephant, I don't know what that's called. Uh, the, yeah, you know, the thing. <laughs> yeah, we can make elephant noises later. Um, I don't think our mics would like it though. <laughs> we won't do it. There will be like a lot of saliva. <laughs> And yeah, maybe that's just not sanitary for right now. But anyway, it is, I I think of it as like that, just the primal urge to to be alive. And it's not something that can get easily knocked over. It's there. It's Mm. me rooted. So of course that would be connected to grief in a different way. Because grief is also a primal expression of aliveness. It's a different kind of wail. Yeah, to the world, and they're you know they're intertwined. Hmm. And so you know this year, it's been mega loss year, um, and I think you know some of that. But you know I had a friend who was murdered last Christmas, and you know every time a new grief happens, it's a deepening of that experience and. Like a wow. I mean, this time it was just staggering in terms of, oh, I thought I knew about grief. I mean, I wrote a novel about grief. Like, so <laughs> I should be, I should be schooled and solid in that. But no, you know, so that was followed by a writer that I was working with. So a client and someone who was becoming a friend also died suddenly within a month after that. And then an old close friend um, died later this year. So this year has been like, mega <laughs> mega grief yeah and i think that's that's why my new understanding of joy has surfaced because it's been about how can i survive in the face of this and this and this and that's why it had to be something deep it couldn't just be that like oh i'm so happy to be here yeah version of joy I've definitely experienced in my life a lot of that sort of I don't I don't want to say manic joy yeah to because like like people say manic like it's a bad thing but manic's just super great and it's a lot of fun and I've experienced a lot of that euphoric high mm-hmm. in many different versions like some some of that of like in a flow state of yeah. joy and 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 almost even sometimes in in a, a in a version of it that that's almost scary because it feels uh-huh. too good that it's terrifying. I have a, a songwriter that I enjoy who has a song called "Too Much Happiness," and I think even Brene Brown like talks about how some people have discomfort with happiness and joy, and they oh if I can call up the the term she uses. Uh, they immediately, when a joyful thing happens, they immediately start to think of how it's going to fall apart at a disaster. <laughs> and that's her concept of people's relationship with joy. But I was like, no, but, but in my case, like, actually, the, the pleasure and the joy is actually terrifying to me sometimes, just because it mm-hmm. was such extreme of emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've had moments of, like, illness and grief where... It just like things, things that were joy filled, were so much simpler, and weirdly slower. Mm-hmm. Like 
holy shit, that cloud right now. Yeah. Can I tell you about it? Or this morning, my tea was on point. <laughs> Just out of nowhere. Like, like yeah. I would have, I would have days where like it was like life alteringly hard to drink a cup of water because I accidentally chose a glass that was just too heavy for who I was that day. <laughs> I don't know if you can relate to Got this. It. It's like waking up in such a state that I would put water in a glass and then I would lift and like whatever like inflammation was in my body or whatever non-energy I had, like that glass of water would be hard and I would be crying over like, oh my God, I have to lift. Life is hard. Mm -hmm. Like I could have that kind of day. Yeah. But in the midst of like a, a day that felt that challenging to meet it would be Daphne is a flower yes. that exists. And then just I like I'd lived a whole life. I'd lived an entire life. I know. Until just last year where I'd smelled freaking Daphne. Yeah, until I moved to Portland, and then I moved here, and I was like, what is this intoxicating delight? And if you haven't smelled it, you have to, right? And th yeah, to just, like, finally get out, like, okay, I get, like, I get outside of my house, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try this walking thing. I'm just, they say walking is exercise. I'm tired of looking at the same sets of walls. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna walk, and then suddenly to be surrounded by this intoxicating Daphne smell and to, for it to be so beautiful and touching that it's made my entire day, this one moment. Um, and these were the kind of moments I was saying, I was saying to you earlier, that like, I, like whether we've actually had a conversation, there was, while you've been going through this year, um, <laughs> I, I lost one of my favorite people in life. Uh, she died, I think, three years ago, almost three years ago at this point. And so I had been experiencing grief there and grief over relationships and stuff. So there's a lot of grief and sadness in my world. And you're reaching out and telling telling about it, like like just trying to do a day of, I'm going to walk, I'm going to have this tea, I'm going to... And then when, it, and when grief hits, it's like there's... I don't think people talk about it much. No. Just so... Because, like, I've been grateful because you're a writer and how you express yourself and engage and that you're the kind of person on social media and Facebook that wants to connect. So you use it in a particular kind of way and you make choices. Mm -hmm. For me, I got to see a reflection of some of the challenges that I was silently struggling with because of how I was using Facebook, not, not letting people into my world, just, like... She's like, can't describe the sadness and the depth of it. And like, okay, if I, if I let myself cry right now, will that ever end? Yeah. Like, is there a bottom <laughs> to this dark ocean of this thing I'm feeling right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and so some, some of those joyous moments was, was seeing and reading things that you were writing in these moments and going like, oh, we're not alone. Mm. None of us are alone in this like sad path. And yet still, definitely we like have jobs we do. We help people. Right. At the same time, you're supposed to function. I don't know. In the world. How does that, 
How does that work? It's been a strange year for that. I mean, deep in, obviously when I was 14, I was not running my own business. <laughs> or maybe not obviously. <laughs> right. And you know, I had to go to school and do things then too, of course. But it is different to be an adult and to be responsible for my income and, you know, life through yeah. that and to be doing that this year. And, you know, one thing that I've been super grateful for is that I tend to work with amazing people who are really compassionate and empathic and, you know, they gift me with the same grace that I gift them. Because if someone comes to me and they're grieving and we need to reschedule a meeting, you know, like it's not a big deal. Right. You know, it might be a bummer, but it's not a big deal. And luckily, as things came up and I had to reschedule things and shift things or take a little more time, everyone was gracious. And so that helps. Yeah. Um, and also as a writer, you know, what I'm encouraging people to do all the time is to write into their vulnerability. And to write through it you know if they're st if they want to work on a particular project um and right now they're feeling this like maybe they're super angry mm -hmm. and it doesn't seem to have anything to do with the project i will often encourage writers to just write through the anger and then all of a sudden it's like wow i just found a way into my story that i didn't know before so yes it can it can help the uh, letting myself feel the emotion and experience the emotion can help um move into my creative work and be healing at the same time. I have a question about that. Yeah. I have a curiosity about that. So that's something that you tell the people that you're working with to do. Yes. How does that work for yourself? Are, are you someone who tells people, hey, do this thing. <laughs> and, and doesn't do it at all. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes, sure. sometimes I'm in moments where like, I, I get paid to help people shift their, their, their mental patterns and, and then it's like I like I like I hear myself in my own head like ah, and and sometimes it works to hear me being like cheerleader go go lady and sometimes mm -hmm. I'm just like that makes it worse yeah sometimes my own medicine is is um plays back and forth between whether it's like a, a tiny demon in my head or not <laughs> being your own tiny demon <laughs> yeah, yeah like coaching myself Oftentimes I'm, I'm, oftentimes I'm coaching my clients on something, but I actually need a different thing. Oh, this is one sure. of the things I'm learning. So I'm just curious when you were telling me that, like, was that something? Was that your process in these moments? Yeah, I mean, some your own medicine. Well, it's exactly how you said it. We all need different medicine sometimes. I mean, sometimes I don't need to write at all. Sometimes I just need to sit and stare at that cloud that you mentioned. Um, or drink my tea uh, or cry for as long as I need to cry and it's not gonna help if I force myself to sit down and write but I think there's always a moment when I know I need to write if I'm gonna get through you know it's time to just get it out um, and if I'm listening allowing myself to listen deeply to myself and that inner knowing then I write and then I do it. So yeah. I do take my own advice and not always <laughs> and not necessarily when I should, um, yeah. but I do. Yeah. Yeah. I have a sense that like in my moments of writing, 
And I do have many paths in to writing. I've had the thing where I do the free write. Mm -hmm. I have the, the times when I like sit down with pen and paper and my guitar and I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I strum something, I hum something, mm -hmm. but then I discover this thing that was inside this whole time. So it's a discovery. Yeah. And then I do definitely have those points of like, I figured out a thing and now I need to tell people about it. Mm -hmm. Had that path in, but there's this, like the more, for me, the more that I sit down with it and do the writing, there is this, this arc of tapping into emotions and intuition, not knowing where it's going and then and then following the path. It's like it's like every time I sit to write is a mini adventure in what intuition and trust and mm -hmm. the relationship with myself and relationships with like wonder. Yeah. Like over and over again each time I sit down. Mm -hmm. And I I have a curiosity about like whether, I don't know, the interconnection between like you and your writing and your writing and you, like whether like it's in integral to your relationship with just being here in the world, like if it found mm -hmm. you or you needed it or... Both, all yeah. of the above, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what, is there something you're working on now? Um, <laughs> you mean like right now? <laughs> like, <laughs> like on the couch I'm writing. <laughs> like, okay. Please hold <laughs> I have to okay. continue my masterpiece. No, um, well, there is a memoir that's lurking out there, and it has certainly been on hold this year. That's yeah. been something that's been pretty hard to get to. Um, to focus on a big writing project in the midst of a major year of grief mm -hmm. has not been something I could do. I could finish work projects in some ways. You know, I've created some new work things. Um, that I also love and that also feel really creative, but it's very different than writing a book. Oh, okay. I've been able to write essays, you know, so those things are happening yeah. and out in the world. But yeah, so I'm I'm hopeful that moving into a new year, some of that's going to shift and I'll be able to get back to some of the bigger book projects that feel good to me. Nice. It is technically solstice -y. Like tech, I guess it technically happened earlier this morning. Mm -hmm. and actually, last night was the longest night. Technically longer than night. It's the 21st of December yeah. for working time, which is a nice time to let let something shift and mm -hmm. move. Let um, shit shift. Yeah. I know one of the things you, I think you specifically declared something new as a tool for yourself. Do you, are you willing to sh <laughs> like share this? Do you want to remind me? Yes, like <laughs> many tools. Let me see. I think you declared it may have been three weeks ago, ish. It's so good to have someone it out. tracking my declarations of feeling challenged mm -hmm. about this season because of your friend's death. Yeah, and choosing to focus on was it is the word delight? Yeah. I loved this prompting that you did for yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, did you call it a thing? Is it like, did you title it a, like adventure? Yeah, I mean, I'm just calling it my delight report. So every day this month of December, 2017, I've been posting a delight report on Facebook um, and finding the delights in the day to share. Um, and delight, I would say, is deeply connected to joy. So it's, yeah. you know, some of what we've already talked about, but just a different word for it. I love it. Yeah. Um, 
I just flashed on this memory. My unconscious mind is like throwing up images and fun things inside. One, one of my super saddest moments, I call it super saddest moment because I'm so, it was, how old was I? 19 or 20. <laughs> I think I was depressed. It must have been an end of a relationship and I was very sad. And I think I'd been crying and sleeping and just that for three days in a row. Mm -hmm. And my alarm clock kept going off for, for what my life was supposed to be doing. But like, so the alarm clock goes off and I guess I'd had some sort of classic station on. And so at one of my saddest moments in my life at that <laughs> point, the song Woman in Love, Barbara Streisand comes on. <laughs> I don't think I know it, but I can imagine. <laughs> It it's uh, it's co-produced by I think Barry Gibb. Is it a Barbara Gibb? ballad or is it like no? A... It's like an upbeat like yeah. um, life is a moment. Da, da, da. It's like <laughs> oh I think I know. I that. am a woman in love <laughs> and I give everything to get you. So I'm like sad about love loss. I'm like heartbroken right. and like and that's what <laughs> gross full of like crying sweat and sleeping for three days in a bed yeah. and what comes on the radio is this woman in love song and it's pretty bad it's like disco flavored but then barbara like classical and barbara's great but this song it's it's probably <laughs> in the range of like terrible good it's like bad like good. poetry from early in life <laughs> yes and so it comes on loud and proud in my room and it's so strikingly absurd <laughs> in this moment that I start laughing yeah. hysterically. And that was the moment that I got better. Hmm. It was just this like, like the lowest low point, this t terrible, hilarious song comes on. Mm -hmm. And I just like, my body's shaking. I'm like laugh crying, mm -hmm. ah. And so now it's one of my favorite like karaoke <laughs> tunes, like finding delight in these low places. That's what flashed for me. Uh -huh. And that, what have been some of your, your like delightful moments in the last month? Mm. They have been the really simple ones. You yeah. know, like yesterday my post was super simple. It was a picture I shared of the sky that, you know, and it was just delight report day 20, the sky. And um, it was just this beautiful, gray flanked by pink bordered by pink it was sort of like my magical yellow glow around except it had the pink glow around <sighs> yeah and you know sometimes it's just been laughing with my partner you know or a really sweet message from someone or uh seeing something silly or the hummingbird coming up to our feeder you know well, that's actually, I'm calling it a feeder, but it's not. It's like total hummingbird deception. What? Because it's really just a, it's a candle holder that is this bright red glass. And so it looks like a feeder. And now I'm even calling it one, which is so sad because the hummingbird does never, never finds food in it. Oh, shoot. Because there's a candle <laughs> in it. So anyway, but seeing, seeing something that wild and magical, that close, mm -hmm. you know, those are the moments that I feel like I keep coming back to. That's funny. Now it flashed in my head is I went to a friend's father's funeral. I think I think this was in the in in the first few weeks of my dizziness. I had I had a dizzy spell for like three months straight of being 
constantly dizzy, had a balance condition thing, but a friend had asked me to help her sing a song at her father's funeral. And so there were three of us that sang this. Mm-hmm. Um, one voice, Waylon Jennings, I don't know if you know the song. Mm-hmm. So I learned the guitar parts, and I was sitting there playing, and there was a gathering. And what's interesting is what people remembered in the stories that they told. It just, it just stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Here I was, um, glad that it wasn't my own loss so that I could sing, because I don't know yeah. if I could. If if somebody like so if if any of my friends are watching, please don't ask me to sing at your funeral. I don't think it's possible. I don't think I'm capable of that. But um, so I, I was a sharing song, and all of the stories were about these kinds of moments. Like sometimes I get really into my like entrepreneurial self, that ego, and make the list of why I'm important to be here. <laughs> I help people quit smoking. I help somebody like do their job. I help them in this yeah. marketing strategy. And remember, you know, like they make the list. And essentially all of the stories about this, this beautiful man who was a pastor and was a father to all these people and a friend, they, mm-hmm. they, the stories were, I remember his hands. I'm just, I'm just listening. And they would describe hmm his hands and what his hands would feel like when he would put his hand on your shoulder. Or I remember how he listened, you know, like it, it wasn't like the money that he made or the, you know, like his job title. It was these small moments of like, we sat there, I had a rough day, he showed up for me, we sat there and then the sunset yeah. was the story. That, that like essentially, when people reflect on someone in these moments, there's these these things you wouldn't put on a resume or a website to describe who you are and what you offer in the world. I feel like we have such a messed up understanding of treasure in Western culture. You know, like everything you just listed is what I would call treasure. Yeah. And, you know, when we allow ourselves to go to those places that are hard to grieve or be present, to death and what comes after, then I think that's when the treasures surface. And that's, you know, probably what Kate Gray was suggesting a little bit, you know, that that's yeah. the path to it. If you let yourself be there in it, then it, you know, the, the treasures can come, yeah. sprout up. Yeah. Well, I just love that in your prompting for yourself, I was like, here's what it sounded like to me. This month feels hard. So I'm gonna deliberately yeah. focus on the light, but I'm not just going to do that. I'm letting you know. I'm making a, a pledge to myself for this month, I'm gonna do a thing. You gave yourself like a, a project to show show up to, mm-hmm. and then an, like an audience and a, a connection of community to be with while doing it. And that's, that's like, that's huge. I don't know, I'm just, I just wanted to mark that because- Thank you. Because I don't know. Does it, has it felt like a kind of gift you've got given yourself each day? Mm-hmm. It has. I mean, I feel like, a sh- and who knows when or why exactly a shift happens. I mean, not everybody has Barbara Streisand come onto their radio for right. a very clear, and now this part is over and I'm moving on. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I do feel like it has been part of a shift this month for me to say, I have a choice you know, in showing up to life and what where I put my focus and 
putting my focus on delight and doing that as a way to honor my friend who was like an enormous source of delight. We had equal love for the word delight. (laughs) She used it a lot too. And she had a period of time some years ago on Facebook where she would just list today's delightfulness. And so in part it was, you know, honoring her Mm -hmm. through that too. And it does feel like it's helped me um, be healed through those simple delights, joys, pleasures, um, be more available to them, be more cognizant of them, however you want to call it. Yeah. 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 So yes, it's helped. Nice. Yeah. I am part of the reason why I'm actually, I don't know if I already said this, part of the reason why I'm actually sitting here. One of the reasons why I said, I guess when, when this project started, I don't know, I've always enjoyed conversations I have with people. My friends would get annoyed with me. We'd go into some sort of like a like a boutique somewhere just while we're hanging out. And then I'd end up talking to the <laughs> the person who owned the boutique for a while and just like dropping in. Um, but my, my friend, when she had found out she had, she was given the six months to live. Um, I don't know, is that a diagnosis? Is that a, I don't know if it's, she sent, she sent an email to all of her friends and she was, she, she's hilarious. She wrote, I won the lottery. Because essentially most artists, she's also a writer, playwright, uh, and was working on a memoir at the time. A lot of us have had, had the like, if I had six months to live fantasy, what would I do with it? Mm-hmm. And so she sort of wrote this email to us from this perspective. And then through this giant week long party, she invited everyone that she's known, these amazing people she'd been privileged to, to know and spend time with and connect with. She invited all all of us together and it was just this like rolling week of gathering. And her premise was that the amazing people that she loved and knew should meet each other because they might really enjoy each other. So for a whole week, conversation after conversation was just magical. She was right. She was surrounded by these just amazing, mm-hmm. beautiful people. And I loved every moment of that and had wished that I'd been able to like capture it yeah because the world is full of just fantastic people. bonkers amazing people right mm-hmm. here to make an impact just by how they listen and and right. how they choose to offer their hands to you right mm-hmm. and I just wanted to be able to capture more of that and and yeah. like let people in um Oh, so I'm glad you're here. Me too. Yeah. I, and we're I am, glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Um, I have a curiosity. Do you mind if I ask you, like, what your favorite bits about like, just the work aspects of you and helping other people mm. around this, this writing tool that they may or may not think that they can, like, I am a writer. <laughs> like, what, what's some of what you love about, about doing that? I love that question. I think a way that you described yourself earlier is also a way that I would describe myself um, in terms of being a catalyst. Mm -hmm. I think that's big for me. I love to light someone up and say, now off with you, go do your thing, to help them find whatever the spark is in themselves. Um, And in writing to say, oh, this is, here's your manuscript. So like people will sometimes send me their books and as a developmental editor, I'll do a review of the book to say, this is what's thriving, this is what you might need to build on or take out or whatever um, to help it flow and honor your intention. Mm-hmm. And 
I love that to say, to focus a critique not on, well, this sucks and that sucks and oh my god, I just totally attached, um, like I hooked my I hooked my rings together. This is gonna be dramatic. I would be like in a fold like this. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's funny. I might even have to. Oh no, I got it free. Okay, <laughs> success. <laughs> Well, and sometimes that's what I do as an editor, too. Like, there are things that are hooked together in ways, you know, that keep the story stuck. That I'm like, no, just shift it like this. Yeah. Um, and this is what's already working for you. So, you know, as Tim Gunn might say, make it work. <laughs> right? Yes. Um, so sort of like that. Yeah. So I love that. Um, and I love facilitating. So workshops, retreats, even my workshops, I would say are more like retreats than workshops. Nice. Because I like reflection um, and ritual. And I think that's, that's one of my strengths and one of the things that I really enjoy creating sacred environments for people where um, they can relax and reflect and create and sanctuary spaces, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Nice. I love the developmental part. I I think of I think of where I'm best is in that like the sort of the some of the beginning stages or the taking it to the next level stages for people mm -hmm. helping them cuz there are people when I go out and I network and and I describe what I can help people do they're like are you a coach and then I have to reflect I'm like I'm uh, I feel like I'm more of a plumber <laughs> And that there's some awesome. sort of clogging or blockage that some mm -hmm. people come up to and they sort of have this urgent need to shift it. And I'm great at that. Mm -hmm. And like helping people along the way. Like I don't, if I were an edit, if I were an editor, I don't think I would be the one that you go to at the end of the thing. Like ties it all up. But the, the like that, that, oh, I don't know. It's just, I'm getting a sense of it being very like beautifully messy. Mm -hmm. when they hand you the piece and that sounds really intriguing to me yeah to be in the in the confusion of um like surrounded by all the problems but finding the magic in them and what's yeah. what is working and then like build these things and then and suddenly they're not as untied and it's mm -hmm. I don't know, jump rope do i follow the <laughs> metaphor you untie the knot and then you have a jump rope <laughs> yeah okay gotcha <laughs> um i love it how, how frequently do you do retreats? Because I kind of want to go. Okay, that sounds good. Um, I think there's going to be one coming up in the spring, so oh. I don't have a date for it yet. Um, cool. But I will notify you and others. Maybe you too. Yeah, well, the timing might work out that like when they hear this, they know they could go to it. Yeah. So, so retreats that you give are they're like retreats instead of workshops. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's more about play and reflection for me. And certainly there are things like when I have a workshop, people learn stuff, but it's not the stuff that, you know, you learn in school. It's, you know, or that I, we, you know, we wish we could get a PhD. Yeah. <laughs> like cracking your heart wide open. Like, is there a PhD in that? No. I mean, that's the thing that I'm interested in and in saying, right. how do you, how do I create an environment? How do we create, co-create something, a space where you can get below all of that bullshit surface chatter and write something that's from your heart. And not the thing that you should write or not to sound like 
that writer you love or but to be you to unleash your essential you-ness yeah i'm sorry but do you teach the workshop cracking your heart wide open no but i was just thinking that holy god that's really good (laughs) name i would go to that and then be scared and then be there and then do it (laughs) i would probably go to it and be scared and be there and do it too because when you said it i was like i wonder if I could teach the performance version of that workshop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because there's, um, there's sort of an edge point of like, like having access, cracking your heart open such that you can drop into the song or the thing you're, you're presenting Mm -hmm. in a way that still has the safety for your audience, like how to crack open, but also take care of the audience. Mm Is there, um, do you actually have, do you actually have a way for people to crack themselves open? Do you I think know there path? <laughs> I'm going to let you in on a really big secret. <laughs> no, I feel, I, I, well, I guess, yes, I do. I think we all do. Yeah. And I think it's showing up and it's writing through it and it's not stopping. I mean, free writing for me has become... In some ways, like it is for Natalie Goldberg, who's one of, you know, you know her work. A friend is teaching a workshop, writing your way to song, yeah. based on Goldberg's work. Yeah, Writing Down the Bones has been one of my favorite formative texts on how to really crack my heart open as yeah. a writer. And it's free writing, which means writing without stopping, coming back to a prompt again and again and again, and not just getting below all the crap that's happening in your head because we all have so much of that and when we get below that that's when we get to you know and not like the indiana jones you know i mean maybe but less violent right yeah sure yeah i think my friend said this thing about i think it's from writing from i don't know i haven't read it i have i think i have that book in my kindle i haven't opened it but is writing down the bones Mm -hmm. I think she said something about the more specific you get about your own story, yep. the the more people find themselves in it. Exactly. Some people want something to be universally known. It's the one. It's the piece that I know from that is that actually, actually, contrary to what people might assume mm-hmm. about universality, is the more specific you are in your story, the more people can see themselves. The more universal it is. Yeah. I think I gotta read this. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't think I know entirely the path. I think probably (laughs) for me doing that workshop, like in order to do the workshop, I would have had to find out how it's done. If that makes sense. Like much in the way that you gave yourself the delight assignment. I'm like, I'm going to do that workshop. Yeah. Let's give ourselves that assignment. We'll do it and we'll see what we learn. And maybe you'll come learn with us. (laughs) Awesome. Mm. Yeah. I feel like we maybe did a thing. I think we did a thing. I think we did a thing. We were here, we sat here, things happened, things were said, that which wasn't said was insinuated. Fair. I think, oh, I had one more thought. Yeah. We were talking about the imposter syndrome that people have with writing. And this is something that I think is kind of important. And I think, I think it's not just my own thought. I think Elizabeth Gilbert, since people like her a lot and she's a writer, Mm -hmm. she said it too. I've read a lot of things recently. I got a library card. I put the library card into my phone, so now I've got like audiobooks and yeah. ebooks. 
So I've been reading a lot of books lately, mm-hmm. and I gotta say they're not very good. Mm. Which is really inspiring. Because essentially, like, I think a lot of people are concerned when they write that they have to actually be good, right? Like, <laughs> what they write has to be good, and they have to be good at that. That it has to be perfect. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if this is a secret that people don't know, but that uh, I think Elizabeth Gilbert has this thing, let's see if I get it right. She's like, I sit down and write. Like, I show up to the muse, and then she does the best she can, but, like, she can't write any better than that. It's like, <laughs> she, like, lets go of whether it's good or not. Mm-hmm. She's like, I did my job. I wrote it. You know, and it's mm-hmm. not up to me whether it's good or not. Yeah. And I have a curiosity, like, how do you help people say yes to the writing and then put it in the world if they're afraid about whether it's good or not? Well, I mean, that can never be the thing that you start with. Like, you're not going to be able to start if that's, you know. So to to get to that place where you realize it's not your concern. Your concern is what led you to writing in the first place, which is, you know, probably something to that has to do with, at least for me, that connection to a joyful expression, you know, that, that urge to vitality to your own wild yell, roar, yop, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, that's your job. Let it out. Revision is what comes when you think about, oh, maybe I'm going to publish this. <laughs> and, you know, and then there's work to do and there are ways to do that and techniques to do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, the other stuff is just getting in the way of that. So I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it, it sort of, it's not, it's not our jobs to be good at writing. It's to get it the heck out. Mm-hmm. I think is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good translation. Right? Mm-hmm. And essentially not in the creative process. Yeah, I mean, revision can be creative, too. Yeah. But it's different. It's different than the initial... Bleh. The, the creative vomit. It's different <laughs> than that part. It's the cleaning up the vomit. True. I'm making a terrible metaphor. No, but the mm-hmm. other thing is, essentially, and this, this is like, if you're writing something... You just, it's only your job is to write it. And then there are people whose job it is to figure out how to craft it in a way that it's presentable to other people. That's not, mm-hmm. that's a whole other person's job. That's an editor's job in some ways. Mm-hmm. And and the version that, of editing that you do with people mm-hmm. is help them like, hey, you got it out. Here's how it can. Mm-hmm. So that's good news. It is good news. I think. Good news for you. Yeah. I think we always sort of get stuck thinking we have to do all of the things. Yeah. No. Well, we, you know, we're buying into that myth that everything has to be self-generated and self-determined and self-whatever instead of remembering that we're actually connected beings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that might be uh, one of the challenges of the uh, the rebel American individualist mm-hmm. frontierism story. Yeah. who we're supposed to be here. Um, and look at where that's gotten us. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> to be continued. Where has that gotten us? Yeah. Um, I, I actually love that we, some of the challenges of where that's gotten us has, has led more people to, to connect more. Yep. And so that's awesome. It is. That's part of why I reached out to have you hang out with me here today. Why we're here. I know. Yeah. So thank you for being here. I don't... Like, I am um, around writing and whether it's good or not. I think my my closing of this journey is, like, I 
there are moments where I'm great, I think, probably, at doing this, like, talk to people and have cameras pointed at me thing. There, yeah. There's, there's craft going on. But I also gave myself permission to say yes to this adventure. I gave myself permission to not be in my best shape and to maybe not be very good at this. Nice. Yeah. So hopefully people like it. Yeah. I don't know. That's not, that's not up to me. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Much like what we just discussed. Yeah. 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 Not our job right now. Perfect. Yeah. I think we did great then. I think so too. I even got my rings unlocked. <laughs> I know. It was magical. Would you like some chocolate? Yes. Well, that's how that went. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this episode. Thanks for watching, listening, I don't know, reading, imbibing, however you took this in. Thanks for being here. And if you really enjoyed it, I'd, I'd love it if you would do all of the things. Uh, like, share, I don't know, ring a bell, bang a gong, tell a friend, and come back next time. I hope you had as much fun as I had. <laughs> <laughs>